Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside. And please watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey guys, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. This is your host, Tim Nadell. And I gotta say it, I'm super excited for today's episode. The one and only Michael Bell returns to the podcast. I think it's really cool that we're going back to our roots and interviewing Michael Bell. Because if you go back and listen, our very first interview was with Michael Bell. And I do say this is a much, much better interview than I originally did years ago. Uh, first of all, the audio is so much better because I was I was a noob. I admit it. I was very new to the system and didn't know what I was doing. So this is a much, much better interview. And I got to say, it's probably in my top maybe three favorite interviews that I've done. Of course, you know Michael Bell. He was on Rugrats. He did a lot of the characters on Rugrats, one of them being Drew Pickles. One of my favorites, he was Duke on G.I. Joe. They were after our new guidance system. They didn't know we moved it to Joe headquarters. They'll be back, you know. Yeah, and we'll be ready. Smurfs. He was Grouchy Smurf, Handy Smurf, and Lazy Smurf. On Super Friends, he was Xan and Gleek. Snorks, he played All-Star. Transformers, his main character was Prowl, and he did a lot of other voices on there as well. And something that you'll learn in my interview is that he actually did voices for Star Wars, the movie. And also in the interview, you're going to find out what his Steve Gutenberg connection is. But Michael Bell is a super, super talented guy, so I'm so happy he came back on the show. And uh, I think you guys are really going to be entertained. But once again, make sure to check out our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are also starting up a brand new YouTube show, a TV show. That's right, TV show. It's going to be a lot like the podcast. We're going to be talking about toys, cartoons, that kind of stuff, but it'll be visual. So check that out. Go to the main site, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. You'll see the Saturday Morning Rewind Presents icon on the top right, and uh, you can subscribe. And we should start having some episodes hit in the next couple weeks, so stay tuned for that. Remember those positive iTunes and Stitcher reviews? And... Actually, speaking of, I just got an amazing one just posted today. An amazing iTunes review from Disney Duck Fan. Thank you so very much for the five-star review. It meant so much to me, and uh, it actually motivates me, so thank you so much for doing that. But anyway, guys, I know you guys are really going to enjoy the episode, so here is Michael Bell. I don't think we talked about this last time. Tell me about your childhood. What was your childhood like? Good God. Um, you asked me to really go. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. Uh, <laughs> go back to a kid born in Brooklyn. Um, just always 
always entertaining, going down to the local store, singing, dancing, getting a couple of pennies, bringing them home. My mother accused me of stealing, beat the shit out of me. No. <laughs> um, I uh, went down there, you know, sang, danced, whatever, and they always gave me bucks. And I thought, isn't this a great way to live? And then uh, I guess uh, just had the the average, you know, Brooklyn kids experience. Still friends with uh, with all my friends from Brooklyn. Oh, so, nice. but, And their kids. Yeah, we maintain a relationship. And uh, then I uh, eventually went to the high school of performing arts. Everybody else was going to the local high school. I went to performing arts where I learned how to speak. I took voice and diction lessons and came back and managed to correct everybody in my neighborhood and piss them off royally. <laughs> you know, people were saying, X, I'm going to ask you a question. I say, no, that's X. So they even uh, did that back then, huh? Yeah. yeah wow. You heard X, you heard Turlet. I'm going to Turlet. That that uh, kills me now. I hate that even now, and I can't imagine back then. Yeah, well, I never thought much of it until uh, my mother always had a great. My mother always spoke well, and so I always spoke well. But I really learned voice and diction to get rid of the Brooklyn accent to some degree um, at the high school performing arts in uh, in Manhattan. So of course, anytime anybody said anything, I obviously prompted. I was prompted to correct them, which was kind of funny. And anyway, uh, went off to, um, then eventually went to California, and uh, the rest is history, at least in my personal family. I don't think anybody else gives a crap. At that young age, were you interested in the animated shorts and animated features that were out? No. Nah, I didn't know anything. There was no animation. I mean, there, other than uh, Bugs Bunny and, and you know all of Mel Blanc's stuff, who I eventually would meet and work with. But no, I never even never, even today. There, when young kids, they they can't associate the voice of a cartoon character with a human being until you get past a certain age. I don't know. You're in show business, and you know your parents are doing it. But it's, for the most part, I didn't have any knowledge of that. To me, it was all movie stars. Yeah, no, it's funny that you mentioned that because I have a four-year-old daughter, and she every now and then points out Frank Welker. Yeah. So it's sure. pretty. It's pretty funny that she can point. She's wrong a lot of times, you know. Of course as a four-year-old, but it's pretty funny to hear her ask if that was Frank Welker doing the dog voice. I think, I think that's very smart of her. She should be aware of Frank Welker. Uh, yeah. Um, we, uh, we, we used to kid about the fact, because Frank is such a sweet, nice, really easygoing guy, and we used to kid about the fact that one day they would dig up his backyard and find teenage parts in hefty bags. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a little dark. Yeah, no, we, we're, we're all dark, all of us are dark, because <laughs> he's such a sweet guy. We said, there's got to be something. we got to – he's just – nobody's like that. Yeah, he's too perfect. That's that's Frank. Frank, cool, nice, pleasant, <laughs> laugh, you know, good guy, sweet guy, doesn't say anything nasty about anybody, unlike me. So uh, – Ah, yes, yes. Was your first big role in an in, in animated um, cartoon, was it Scooby-Doo? Actually, no. It was uh, it was um, uh, Hanna Barbera's um, Oliver Twist and the Artful Dodger. Oh, really? And my competition was were all English actors, including Davy Jones of the Monkees. Wow! And I wound up getting it, which was, hey, boy, that was just what a coup that was. Considering the fact that I don't sing and I'm not English. Yeah, no kidding. How did you pull that off? I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe those letters I sent to Joe Barbera threatening his life might have had something to do with it. <laughs> I see a recurring theme going on here. We're threatening people's lives, digging up people's backyards, looking for bones. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm pretty dark. <laughs> but when you finally did hit the Scooby-Doo set, what were those recording sessions like? I mean, I, I pretty much would do anything to be in the same room with people like Don Messick, you know, Casey Kasem, and Frank Welker. What were those sessions like? God, you got one live guy out of the three, two dead and one live one. That's a little creepy. I know. Uh, it was it was cool. It was fun. It was great fun. I guessed it more than anything else. I wasn't a regular on the series, obviously, but I guessed it. And it was great. It was really great fun. And I, I think I worked with Henry Corden, who at that point was a... Uh, no, no, wait a second. Henry was doing... My mom, I'm sorry, my mind is going. Henry was doing the other show, uh, The Flintstones. Yeah, I worked with um, with those guys, guested on those. Um, fun, silly. I think if they recorded some of the, the outtakes, they'd have a hell of a series. No kidding. I would yeah, love to hear those. Messick did some, Messick did some very, he's a very funny little guy, rest his soul. He was a funny guy, very low-key, but still sent in a zinger or two. And that's kind of hard sending in zingers when you get a crowd like that, because everybody, and Frank, of course, as you know, was at that point in his career was doing stand-up mm-hmm. at Ice House. So he had lots of stuff in his bag, in his funny bag. But he was, again, low-key, funny, basically just zipping something in. And uh, I guess uh, Casey was low-key. Casey didn't didn't really, didn't have a funny bone particularly, but he mm. was certainly talented. Was it a little intimidating stepping in the recording booth with those people? for one of your first sessions? Actually, no. By that time, I was pretty well along. Um, uh, so uh, the intimidating ones were uh, possibly uh, uh, Olin Soule, who did uh, Batman. Yes, yeah. She was a radio guy. And uh, and uh, there were several others that, were, that, that I'd heard as a youngster on the radio. Um, I forgot his name. God. My mind is going. Who did Archie Andrews on the radio? And he wound up. We wound up working together. I said, God, I saw you when I was a kid. Something he didn't want to hear. Yeah. Uh, I went to RKO. I went to uh, Radio City Music Hall and saw Archie Andrews, and it was you. You were Archie Andrews, and oh my God, that was so exciting. Wow. But other than that, you know, not anybody. I didn't know Casey that well. I didn't listen to the Top Forty yeah. that much. So. Uh, I became friends with Casey, but not certainly at that point. And Frank, I didn't know. And Frank came after me. I think I was at Hanna-Barbera first oh, wow. with Oliver Twist and then the Smurfs. And I think Frank must have come after me because they gave me, in Super Friends, they gave me the role of Gleek, the mm-hmm. blue monkey. And I was doing Animals until Frank stepped into the picture. And then they said, oh. Frank does great animals. Let's give him a Frank. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good yeah. point. Because you would think, you know, Gleek would be voiced by Frank Welker. I would have thought, yeah. But they <laughs> said, Mike, I want you to do Gleek. And I said, okay. And I I just uh, pulled up my shorts and did them. Well, Gleek was a, a great character. They they get, you know, kind of frowned upon nowadays, the Wonder Twins and Gleek. But I was I always gravitated towards them. I, I loved them as a, as a, as a wait, team. Wait. Who, who frowns? Who frowns on him? I want to know who's frowning on him. There's just a lot of group out there that hate upon the Wonder Twins and Aquaman for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I loved Aquaman. I thought Aquaman was a great character. I always used to. I love comic books. I was a big comic book fan. That I was. But uh, the Wonder Twins. That's funny because I, I attend a lot of uh, comic cons. I got about seven this year to go to, and. Uh, and I often get people that come up and say, oh, my God, you were Zen. Oh, my God, I love the Wonder Twins. Would you do it for me? And I say, sure. And I do <laughs> twin powers for them. 
But uh, that's surprising. I never, no one ever came up to the table and said, "I hate it, Sam." Oh yeah, it's because you're, you're you're intimidating. You you kill people bigger than the backyard. They don't want to approach well, you about that. <laughs> it's because I because I have an AK-47 on my table along with my yes, pictures. So that's what it is. That's got to be it. But, you know, I hear quite a bit of animosity online for some reason about the Warner Twins. I never got it because I love them it's as characters. so funny. And by the way, interestingly enough, uh, when they closed Hanna-Barbera and they, and they gave them to give it to Warner Brothers, sold it to Warner Brothers, they had one final recording at, the, at, our, at, our, at our booth, the booth we always used at Hanna-Barbera on, uh, on Coenga Boulevard. And uh, they called me in and it was going to be Zan and Jaina doing a commercial of some sort and it was and they used the wonder twins of all the characters they had they used the wonder wow. twins and they couldn't find liberty williams who was jana mm-hmm. so uh, they got another young actress and we wound up and when they left our um, engineer said mike you're the last voice at hanna barbera wow so i called up frank i said i was the last voice ha <laughs> <laughs> ha Nice. So one of my favorite voices of years has to be Duke from G.I. Joe. Do you get that quite a bit? Is Do you think Duke is maybe your your most famous voice? It's, you know, it may be. It, Duke may be and, and possibly Prowl from Transformers or Swoop. Those are the three that I always get asked about. And then, of course, there's the younger crowd. There's a crowd that was were big Smurf fans and yes. said, oh, my God, grouchy, good, you're grouchy, etc. And then there's my video game people. But Duke, the G.I. Joe crowd is big. Everybody dresses up in, in the cosplay and they there they are. You know, they come in their uniforms and stuff. And I've had a lot of people say because of Duke or because of Prowl, both of them, both of them were, were police or uh, army. Uh, I joined the army, I joined the Marines, wow. or I became a cop, or whatever it was. But yeah, Duke is uh, is a pretty uh, um, um, pretty interesting character. Yes, yeah. pretty famous. Did you see Community by any chance? Yes. Oh, that was an amazing episode. Wasn't that funny? They called and they said <laughs> we'd like to use Mike as Duke since he's the original voice, but you know he's in his seventies now. Does he sound like that? So they said we'll give him a call. So I said yeah, have him call me. So. The producer called me and he said hey is michael bell there i said yeah and he said can i speak to michael I said, this is michael what do you want <laughs> and he said michael bell i said yeah i the voice of duke you want me to do it again <laughs> and he said uh and i said look yes it's me what what do you want and he said oh okay okay good you got it you're in wow okay so I'm assuming the whole community, um, people were all fans of all G.I. Joe and all the retro cartoons and everything. Well, there's not a whole, no, there was, they weren't there. You know, when you just go into a booth, you buy yourself. It's, it's pretty, um, masturbatory, you know, you, yeah. you, it's just, I, in fact, I call it vocal baiting. Uh, you go in there and you, you do your voice and, uh, you have your director and he says, this is what I want. And he's a fan, but he knows what he wants for his show. Mm-hmm. So you just have to. Gird your loins and give him what he wants. Yeah. Like we said earlier in the interview, we're, we're losing a lot of people nowadays. We just recently lost your, your Rugrats co-host, uh, Jack Riley, who was Jack, Stu Pickles. Yeah, Jack, yeah, my baby Jack passed away. He, was, uh, he suffered badly in the past couple of years. Yeah. Had some problems. I'd see him, but he was one of the wittiest guys. I mean, we're talking cerebral, not not the comics that stand up and jump out and have to throw a line in and look at me, look at me, like a, like a trained seal. He just just sort of slipped it in like a sharp shiv. 
very funny guy. He, when people were not were knocking off, when we lost Bob Ridgely, he uh, who was a very funny guy. He um, he uh, was at the uh, the eulogy, and he had some. He he sort of introduced everybody and was extremely funny and very erudite and extremely witty. Um, and then somebody else died, and then Jack was doing the eulogy. And then somebody else died, and Jack did the eulogy. Wow! So I thought, well, he's become the toastmaster, you know, of uh, of eulogies. And we were on a session once at Rugrats, and I don't know what happened. I was drinking a glass of water, got caught in my throat, and I went. <coughs> and Jack took out his pad and pen, and I said, "Jack, I'm not dead. This is just a cough. <laughs> Stop writing." So who did his eulogy for his? I don't know. You know, I heard about it late, and then the next word I got was they had the uh, event, and I just uh, was not informed where it was and wow. that it was going on. So unfortunately, I missed it. Wow. But I'm sure a lot of other people attended and said some very wonderful things about him. I'm sure. Yeah, he was a great guy and a great voice, and Rugrats was a great cartoon, kind of ahead of its time, I think, honestly. Oh, where? In fact, Vanessa Coffey, who was the producer, I think, at Paramount or one of those studios, I forgot where it was, I think it was Paramount, but Vanessa Coffey killed it after five years and said, you know, that's it, it's had its run, and then the audience just went crazy and rode in, and it came back on, and I think Vanessa, I think Vanessa Coffey was... Uh, retired or something. They were sent someplace else or maybe she just dropped out. But it was not a smart move because we went on from there. It was just such a successful yeah. show. Won now, all kinds of awards, did the movies, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, my daughter, my four-year-old daughter was watching it last night and she was just gravitated toward just loved it. Yeah, I, I see I see according to the residuals. Thank you for your daughter's <laughs> worth I just got a dollar fifty six. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's what they call an evergreen in our business. It just it just has a life beyond its life. You know, everybody always asks me about G.I. Joe and Transformers and the life that it has. It doesn't have anywhere near the life that Rugrats has, interestingly yeah. enough. And Nickelodeon is reviving a lot of their series. Is there talks on a, a new Rugrats at all? Mm, not that I heard. Okay. No, not that I heard. You know, I'm, I'm sure if they do, well, Justin Bieber will be playing. Oh, I know. I know. For seriously, that really irks me right there. Yeah, I just saw last night. I saw Disney's um, Jungle Book, you know, and I saw the original Jungle Book. You know, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the original with oh, Sabu, yeah. which is extraordinary. It's a beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. film, and it's very uh, faithful to Rudyard Kipling's book. But the new Jungle Book is not by any stretch, and and uh, despite the extraordinary CGI and wonderful characters. I felt the use of superstars for the voices was an enormous waste of time, and I didn't think they were that particularly good. No, I, I agree. I actually am not going to watch it. I'm kind of boycotting it because of that same reason. When I saw the first trailer and I heard that Ka was being voiced by Scarlett Johansson, and it was so awful in the trailer. And it was all, not it was awful. She got to sing. Good for Scarlett Johansson, she gets to sing. But if you're singing a voice like, relax, I'm, you know, uh, stick with me and I'll keep you comfortable. And she's being um, um, slowly going to struck, struck, you know, kill him and, and choke him to death. She's just singing the song. Yeah. Who, uh, John Favreau directed, I guess, was afraid to direct her or whatever. I don't know, but or maybe he didn't direct the music. But I got to tell you, and I'm not a big Bill Murray fan, frankly. And I think he was wrong for the bear. I think er, mm. I think. Uh, uh, Idris was wrong. Uh, they, English actors, come on, Ben. I love Ben Kingsley, but but English actors for these two animals in the jungle, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crazy time, and I think Christopher Walken's very funny, 
as King Louis. He's very, very funny. But he's New York, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got King Louis in the jungle. He's New York. I mean, you know, uh, come on, guys. Give me a break. It's, it's almost like when my wife watches Star Wars and there's these British accents and these American accents. She always kind of just just does not really like how they're in outer space and yet there's English and there's American. So it's kind of the same way with, with the Jungle Book, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, but you're out of space. Space means everybody in the world has joined forces and we got Russians and we got Scots and mm-hmm. we have uh, English and it's, it's all okay. You're in the jungle. In the jungle, it's in, first of all, it stretches the imagination, and I understand it. I mean, the original uh, Jungle Book has uh, wolves. There's no wolves in the jungle. Never were wolves in the jungle, ever. You had lions, tigers, and you didn't have bears. But that's okay. We can buy the wolf because Mowgli's raised by the wolves, and that's perfectly all right. But in this one, it's you've got every animal from everywhere, which is okay, except that it's goofy voices. Yeah. The voices don't fit. Those people, and the, if you you remember, if you read, if you watch, let your daughter see the original Jungle Book, the movie, it's just beautiful. Oh no, I, it's it's one of my favorites. It's just gorgeous. It's beautifully done, and they've never been able to match it because they keep changing the story. They're making it better. I know. To make better, you know. But anyway, needless to say, um, that's uh, that's just a, a personal opinion. As far as Star Wars is concerned, you know, I ADR at Star Wars as well. What did you do in Star Wars? Um, I was called in, I knew nothing about Star Wars at all, I don't think anybody did, and I was called in, and this guy, George Lucas, was uh, casting for uh, an American, because he'd had so many English people in it, other than Mark and uh, Harrison, and I said, and and, um, and what's her name, um, Fisher, mm-hmm. so I, I went in, I didn't know anything, and I went in, and I looked at the, uh, the dailies, and he wanted me to dub the guy at the council who was sitting there who questions Darth Vader and the Darth Vader looks at him the guy starts to choke and grabs yeah. his throat and so I, I dubbed him and then he then I said you know why why am I dubbing him George he's very good and he said yeah but he's English I said everybody's English huh. what, 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 what difference does it make he said well I want to get some American voices I said fine I'll do it put it in but he's damn good and I did it and he said yeah I like what you did I said yeah but Take my advice, George. I know better than you, right? I didn't say that, but that was in my head. And I said, yeah, I, just, I just think you should use the original guy. And thankfully he did. I thought he was really good. But when it came to the guy who's now passed on, who did the voice of Commander Willard, mm-hmm. I says, thank, oh, you're th- we're thankful you're okay, Princess Leah. That's my voice. Okay. I did not know and, that. Uh, and my voice is also in some of the, the guys from the Federation. I died it was a lot of, and we're on, you know, we're, we're, we're getting down here. Oh, I'm going to hit. Ah, and all that crap. <laughs> wow. And I watched, uh, I watched the dailies. And of course, you know, you, you don't see all the special effects. So I see this young kid who looks like a surfer with Harrison Ford, who I didn't know that well, mm-hmm. with two flashlights fighting. And I went, what the hell is that? And, uh, and Lucas says, no, it's, it's, it's really not an acting film. It's an action film. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And then, of course, um, Alec Guinness came on. I said, whoa. Wow, you get Alec Guinness. Whoa, he is, and he was wonderful. Even in the dailies, he was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So a group of friends of mine said to me, years later, a year later, about a year later, they said we're going to Grauman's Chinese Theater. Let's all get stoned. In those days, I did, and uh, they said let's go see Star Wars. And I said ah, I don't think so, guys. I'm not interested. I 
did voices in it. And they said, really? And I said, yeah, and that's just you. Because I was doing voices and a lot of stuff at that point. I'm not interested. And they said, oh, come on. So they dragged me along. I got on the line. I thought, oh, wow, what am I in for? And from beginning to end, I was lost in it like everybody else. Uh-huh. Totally knocked out and amazed. I even forgot for an actor to hear my own voice. Wow. That's- to even listen. I absolutely was stunned. So I want to talk a little bit about your voice directing. You actually directed one of my favorite cartoons, kind of an underrated cartoon, Peter Pan and the Pirates. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you like that. I loved it. I thought it was well done. Yeah, I directed that with Tim Curry, bless his heart, and uh, Ed Gilbert and Tony Jay and a whole slew of really wonderful actors and young actors as well, Jason Marsden. Yeah. As, uh, as Peter and uh, Debbie Debbie Berry uh, as Tinkerbell, it was just super all together. Just it's just a wonderful experience. I think I did fifty or eighty of them or something like that. Yeah, that was that was a treat. What, Watching what, Tim work was a treat. Yeah, what was that like? What was it like directing Tim? Well, you know, you you almost don't have to direct him. You just have to guide him every now and then, which is rare because he's so good. Um, there were some ideas I had, and he went along with it. He's such a consummate professional. He didn't fight me on it, and he could have, because he certainly has been around long enough. Um, and it was it was really super. And I was there. Talk about a little bit of intimidation, because I had seen him in the original Rocky Horror mm-hmm. on stage. Oh wow! At I think it was at the Whiskey a Go Go or one of those places on Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And he and I sat right in that front row, and he had that long walkway, and he walked down the walkway in that in that little in that tight cinch thing with his long stockings <laughs> and his hair flying. And I said, "This this this is like Victor Mature uh, out of Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what an amazing performance!" And then I saw him on Broadway in Amadeus, and now here I'm up, have an opportunity to direct him. And I said, "You know, we finally after a couple of couple of." sessions i sat down we talked he was very easy to talk to and i mentioned a rocky horror and he said oh god he doesn't even didn't want to talk about it really yeah because it it uh, labeled him yeah you know you, one thing and it kind of labels you and but then i said well that i did see you in amadeus and i thought you were extraordinary and he said well he thanked me profusely and told me a little bit about it and what what it was like working with ian mckellen and oh, it man. was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting thing. And we would become not friends, but you know, hey Michael, hey mm-hmm. Tim, because we'd work later on in other shows, animated shows. But he had won uh, an Emmy for his performance as Captain Hook. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That so so good. He was amazing. I think the first time I saw him was in the movie Clue when yeah. I was when I was little, and I still love that movie today. His performance is is amazing. Oh yeah, he's a wonderful actor and, and somewhat overlooked. And then, uh, interestingly enough, uh, years later, he had thanked uh, my friend Gordon Hunt, who was a director who had directed me in Smurfs. He thanked Gordon Hunt when he won his Emmy, and I said, "Gee, that's nice. I directed you, and you thank Gordon Hunt. I'm really feeling good about that." And so, a couple of years later, a couple, many years later, he was doing Spamalot on Broadway. <clears throat> it was a big sensation, the Monty Python play. Yes. And uh, I wanted my daughter to see it, so I. Um, I contacted him and I said, uh, uh, Tim, you may remember me, my darling. Uh, I directed you in something that you won an Emmy in. I think it was Peter Pan. And uh, <laughs> perhaps house seats are in order for something like that. Although you thanked uh, 
Gordon for it. I forgive you if I get house seats. And he wrote back, he said, my darling, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. Come to New York and come see the show. And I mean, of course, I paid for them, but they were house seats. Mm. And I said, and we want to come backstage. I want to bring my daughter on stage to get on a Broadway stage. I want her to see what it's like, with, what the house looks like from the stage, because she's going to be an actress. And he was so gracious. And we got we saw the show and got up on stage and showed us the props and the sets and the scenery. And who knew years later my daughter would be on Broadway. Yeah, and... Ashley is an amazing performer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Obviously, she gets, she gets that from the, your wife, probably. Probably not for me. <laughs> she got nothing for me. She just got tuition for college. That's all. Uh, I was yep, that's for. about it. And I, just, I just drive her and my wife to dinner when we go out. I mean, you know, I'm the driver, the chauffeur with money. So, but that's, that's yeah, it's, 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 it was really, really cool. And Tim was just lovely. And I'm so, I'm really sorry to hear that you've been. Uh, Hit with something. I think he had some sort of illness. Yeah, it was hopefully, it was a stroke, I believe. Back. So was was voice directing something you wanted to do more of? Because I think you only did it a couple times. Yeah, I would love to have continued uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why it didn't happen. I really don't know why because I knew that I was good, and that's pinning a rose in my nose. Because I directed Kid Video too, which was a very interesting series for. Uh, Haim Saban. It was a really interesting series, but he killed it. It was doing very, very well. He killed it. He did, he had he had difficulty with Screen Actors Guild, so he just said, hmm. screw it. Yeah, he has more money than the Pope, so what does he Yeah, care? so he doesn't care. So, And then uh, I had great success with Peter Pan. I mean, everybody talked about it. You know, Tim won the Emmy. It went all kinds of huzzah, huzzah. Everybody was watching it. And then I didn't direct after that. I did cast Superman, though, the series. Oh, I did you? I didn't know that. And then they put me in as uh, Lex Luthor, and my friend Jeannie McSwain wound up casting it, and I put her in as Lois Lane. Yes, yes. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Very nepotistic. But listen, if somebody's good, I don't care. I won't put anybody in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't cast anybody if they weren't good. They had to be good. They had to fit the bill. But if it was a, a friend who I knew was super talented, opposed to somebody I didn't know, hell, I put my friend in. I don't care. Yeah. Now, speaking of, I did find something interesting online, so it, it very possibly could be wrong. It said that you are actually Steve Gutenberg's godfather and mentor. Is that right? Uh, to a degree, yeah. To a degree, I was. I grew up with uh, in Brooklyn. I told you I'm still friends with my friends in Brooklyn mm -hmm. as well. And I grew up in Brooklyn, and uh, Annie, his mother, and I were good friends, along with a whole bunch of other Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn peeps. And... Uh, when Stephen uh, was a little kid, he wanted to come out to Hollywood, so he came and stayed with me for a while. Wow. And it's, many of my friends, um, their kids did. But he really, really wanted to hang in there uh, as a youngster. And he was in, I think he was just prepared to go into college. And I took him to a lot of events that I went to. And a lot of my friends were casting directors, and they all thought he was so cute, uh -huh. such a cute kid, swimming with him. And he was funny and outgoing. And so I got to do a film called uh, Roller Coaster. Yes. And there was a young, there was a role in it for a young kid who played my assistant. And I said to ask the casting director, Linda Otto, I said, do you think this might be something for Steve? You know, he doesn't have much experience, but he's certainly good. He's, he studies this. Oh, yeah, it's not much of a role. Sure. So we spoke to the director. They said, sure. So uh, Steve wound up getting that. It was his first real job. And then after, I, I, I put him in as an extra on a couple of TV shows that I did, but he, he did that, and that was the beginning. And all of a sudden, his career blossomed like crazy. Yeah, it did. 
And one day I'm at the beach house. I had a beach house at the time in Santa Barbara. And Steve, the phone rang and I picked it up. I said, yeah, who's it? He said, uh, this is Steve Gutenberg there. I said, uh, yeah, this is some personal number. Uh, who is this? And he said, uh, this is Bob Evans. Wow. I said, thought, Bob Evans? Can't be the Bob Evans doing Godfather. Bob Evans? Wow. I said, um, oh, I don't even know if Godfather, whatever it was, he was a big super name. And I said, Steve, there's a Bob Evans? He said, oh, yeah. And he goes, yes, Mr. Evans. Yes, sir. Yes, I'd love to do the film. Yes, sir. And I thought, you're doing a film for Bob Evans? Jeez. I mean, this is really amazing. It was just, his career just took off. Huh. But between us, because he's written in his book, actually wasn't in his book, between us, um, years later, he made a lot of appearances predicated on his success from the uh, the, uh, the the the, um, the police police show, the police movies. Police Academy, yeah. Police Academies. And everybody said, and when Joan Rivers and all these other hosts said, so how did you get started? He said, I did it all by myself. Oh, no. And I sat there. My mom said, I just watched Steve Guttenberg. I watched, I watched your godson, who I took care of when you had to go on location, who I fed and took it. I just watched him say he did it by himself. And, and somebody said, and they always said, you mean you had no help at all? No, no. I did it by myself. And he go to this whole bull story about what everything that he did. And I thought. Whoa, what? And then Joan Rivers, who I knew, knew me because mm-hmm. I didn't play for her, said, there was nobody. He said, no, there was nobody, Steve. There was nobody here at all to help you. You just came out of here by yourself. And I think he sniffed that she knew something. He said, well, yeah, well, my, my mom knew uh, Michael Bell, who was the voice of Butter, and he uh, you know helped me a little bit. But uh, other than that, I did all this stuff myself. Wow. And that was the end of it. And I called him. I said, hey, have a good life. You're not part of mine anymore. It's oh, like butts. That it, was it. And no contact since then, even. Um, every now and then he would send a letter or something, and or I'd see him at a family thing. But I would go, "Hey, Steve." He goes, "Hey, how you doing? Good to see you." You know, hugging everything. And yeah, and I just sort of, you know, I didn't slap him across the face and kick the crap out of him. I just I have no, nothing to do with him. Huh. I have no interest in him at all. Do you want to leave that part of it out of the interview? Oh, I don't care. Okay, I can... that's it's common knowledge. Friends of mine say to me, "Oh my God," you know, it's. All my friends, all my casting director friends called and said, what the hell was that? We just saw Steve on television. He just totally denied you. Yeah. Said, Steve Judas Gutenberg? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your heart just, it just sank, I bet. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. He was like my son. Mm-hmm. Or my kid brother or something. He, he was, you know, I, we, he, he used to sleep with my dogs. And, the, and he had his own private room and he, the dogs would climb in bed with him. I mean, it was, he was like, uh, he was family. She was family. He was family. They were family. But it was just a total denial. It was a screw you. I did it by myself. Not that I needed credit. I said, no. but you say, yeah, I stayed with my, my with my godfather, who was in the business, and uh, he was very very helpful. Yeah, you know, moving, getting me around, and giving me clues, and giving me ideas, and and putting me, helping, getting me in my first film. But uh, that was life. So yeah. you, know, you learn something from that. But yeah, that's and every and every now and then, he, and he talks about it in his novel, the. Guttenberg Bible or something. Yeah, yeah. And I looked at that and I went, what? You know, it used to stay with my godfather who was a playboy and all these beautiful girls in and out of his mansion. Ah, it's just a load of crap. <laughs> really? I didn't know that part of you. <laughs> yeah. That's crap. I had a lovely home up on the hill. And yeah, there were girls every now and then. But there was, it was not a playboy. It wasn't a mansion. Jeez, mm. It was just a little house on a hill. Wow, that's sad. He had a tendency to do that. But yeah. his... Uh, 
career is where it should have been, quite frankly, because he didn't study, he didn't work like I told him to, he didn't continue to study like I told him to. Um, he just played on that cuteness. Yeah. So now he's doing to volcano tarantulas or something. I know, I know. There's like number three coming out or something, and I know it's... God. Tarantula volcano. I forget. Whatever it is, I know. I forget what it's called. It's something weird, like yeah, volcano or <laughs> Turan volcano or something. something like that. Some stupid thing. Anyway, enough of him. Enough. Enough of him. Enough of him. Okay, more me. Go ahead. Yes. What are you doing these days? What are you up to? What keeps you busy? Well, I can't tell you what characters I'm playing or anything else other than I am doing uh, Star Wars Rebels. Yes. And I don't know if you know it. I didn't know it at the time, but I know it now, certainly. And um, just finished my third or fourth um, uh, World of Warcraft uh, Hearthstone Heroes of the Storm games. Nice. And uh, and I'm guested. I guested on the new Voltron. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Not as Zan, obviously, a little over the hill for Zan. Yeah. Quite a bit over the hill for Zan. Actually, I'm over the mountain for Zan. But met the young Zan. Met the young kid. We did a selfie. So I've got this photo of us doing selfies. <laughs> new Zan, old Zan. Yeah. So that was kind of so, fun. Yeah, that was, that was probably kind of cool, going back to a show that you originally helped you know, produce and, and, and voice. Yeah. yeah, and the director said, you know, the only one of the old cast that's guested. And I said, hey, we like all the others. That make them jealous. Yeah, no kidding. So they haven't. They weren't asked, or they just couldn't do no, it. No, no, they just. I don't think they've ever. And they should. I mean, you know, Jack Angel is wonderful. E.J. Mm-hmm. Ward is fabulous. Peter Cullen's so damn busy. I doubt. Oh, I know. Do it, but yeah, Jack and, and those. I think those are the only two left. And then, of course, the second one we did with uh, Tim Curry, and Kevin Michael Richardson was in it, and uh, Billy West. You know, you could call those people in and oh, yeah. just to do a thing. But the uh, the the Gen One, which would be of course Jack Angel and uh, Peter and uh, BJ, and uh, Neil. Sorry, and, yeah, and, uh, can't forget Neil Ross. And Neil Ross, I'd give Neil a call. Have him come in and play. I played a totally different character. I played a cranky old wizard or something. Mm-hmm. But the most part, uh, just to, just you know, what can I say? I felt the same way about Transformers, the movies, I the live action movies. Contacted Michael Bay when they were going to do it and said, hey. We're going to be using our your your original voices, and his uh, his assistant said some, but we're not sure just yet. And I said okay. And he said, you know, I'm a big fan, Mike. And God, you did Prowl and Swoop, and I grew up on that. And I thought, well, this is good. I'm in. He said, but your characters aren't in it, so you're not in it. I said, oh, okay. That's life. But why don't you use us as uh, some of us as uh, we're actors? So what about uh, um, people on the street? You know, the old, the old bum lying on a bench saying, what the heck is that? Whatever it is. Uh-huh. Somebody to say, oh, look. Oh, my God, look at that. Whatever. And you get all of us doing that for sitting in a luncheonette looking out the window. And you say, characters in the street, enlist all of us from from the original Transformers. Yes. We're, most of us are available. And uh, and he said, gee, what a great idea. But no. Wow. <laughs> no, it's it. Uh, I said, you're going to hire extras anyway. We don't do extra work as a rule, but because it's this show, yeah. part of Gen One, uh, you know, you might might consider that. Yeah, no, okay. It's just is this proof that he's not doing it for the fans? Oh, he doesn't give a shit about the fans. No. It's it, we're talking about. Yeah, it's for the fans in the final analysis, but it's also for the people that you know. It's it's a big gimmick. It's it's a it's a huge movie. A lot of CGI, mm-hmm. but 
those fans who are big Transformer fans, there's no way that, that many of them say, yeah, we go, but we don't recognize any of those characters. We no. don't recognize them. They're not they don't come alive for us they're just no. machines they're they're very forgettable when i watched them they were very i was like who just died i don't remember who just died that's the point when i died when prowl died <laughs> you could hear it around the world people cry yes yes and and they didn't even get frank wilker for megatron what kind of bonehead I, move is that didn't they get him for megatron they the got him for the second one, third the, one? the third one in yeah yeah but they got they got peter Yes, and, uh, and you couldn't get, of course, Chris because Chris had passed. So they got, yeah. I think, Charlie Adler. Yep, Charlie stuff. Adler, yeah, uh, and a couple of other voice actors, which were good. Sadly, I wasn't one of them because that would have been fun to do. But I would have loved to play my own characters. I really would have. Well, they're still making them, so you can still reach out if you want to. Because I would love to hear you on I think that. Happen. Look, I just, I just heard about the Smurfs being done again. Yes, yes, an animated movie, as an animated film, not with uh, CGI, but mm. animated. So some guy approached me. I was wearing my Smurf jacket. And he said, where'd you get the jacket? And I told him, and he went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You were grouchy, handy, and lazy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he goes over to this crowd of people that are sitting at a table. He said, this is Michael Bell. He was, and they all went, oh, my God. So I said, why are you so excited? And he said, well, I'm the animator for the new film. Oh. I said, there's a new film coming? He said, yeah, we're doing the animation. We're starting to work on the animation uh, very, very soon. He said, I did. If it's Tuesday, it must be meatballs or something. I said, wow, okay. So I called my agent. I said, okay, could you get on the stick and see if you get me an, an audition? And then she said, sure. Jeez, I didn't know they were doing it. So she got on the stick. The casting director said, yeah, I was going to get around to him. We'll send him a script, sent me, sent me some sides for the role of Grouchy. So I said, okay. And uh, they said, but it's a young Grouchy. Mm. I said, I was young when I did Grouchy, so how much younger? <laughs> and they said, well, he's a young Grouchy. I said, okay, so think in those terms. And Grouchy, as you know, was, I hate Smurfette. Mm -hmm. Where are we going, Papa? So I said, well, i got to make him young, so what if he has very, very slight, you know, just a little bit of a sound? Oh, where are we going to go, Papa? You know what, Papa Smurf? Just a little bit of something. So, hey, no, didn't get it. Wow, what I hate, I I hate this. I hate Hollywood. Seriously. Well, yeah. So Charlie and I once kidding. We said, "Gee, we keep we keep we keep auditioning for our own career." Mm -hmm. But they did call and they said, uh, "Mike, we'd like to use the La La song, and since you're one of the singers, we'd have to sign you on that. You'd have to approve." It. And I said, "Sure, okay, sign me on. Do I get residuals? Yeah, okay, you got me." <laughs> so in there, when you hear La 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 La, you know I'm in there somewhere. Wow, I didn't know they had to pay you for that. That's really cool. Sure did. And I recently, although you won't recognize me because it's a totally different sound, and I can't tell you what I did. I recently did a voice in Doctor Strange. Ooh. Now I'm intrigued. That's really cool. I'll have to, look, I'll have to hear you listen out for your voice. You won't hear it. Okay. No, it's uh, it's something I had to, to do to match, and it was a really good match, but you won't hear me. Interesting. Now, yeah. now I need to know. I have to know, Michael. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. We all sign confidentially. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, Michael. I had I had a blast. Let me tell you, this is probably one of my favorite interviews. Good, good. I'm glad you did. So cool. thank thank you so much. Um, can I have you close the episode out as any one of your characters? Well, this is Lazy Smurf. I just had an interview with Tim Nidell on Saturday morning. <gasps> a rewind. It was really a blood. Uh, mm.
Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>